Tabletop Unknown. Hello and welcome back to Tabletop Unknown, the show where we playtest lesser-known tabletop RPG games. I am your co-host, Will, and on this show we choose a system, we test it with players, and then we talk about it. Uh, and this episode, we are at the episode where we're just going to sit down with some pizza and talk about what we liked and didn't like about the campaign. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jesse. Jesse, how are you going? Good, good. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. I was actually very surprised by a lot of it, so I'm, I'm over the moon. I'm glad. I mean, at least you guys liked it, so that's that's all that matters to me. So. That was great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Now, you, you sort of mentioned off mic there was a couple of different ways certain things could have gone. Do you want to run us through just a couple of the sort of the major ones? Yeah, like- of course. Um, so in terms of like a, a story structure, I knew uh, it was just we were working with a three act structure, which was first act was like like getting off Naboo, um, and then second act was like uh, Galgo's palace. Third act was surface of Tatooine. So the thing that really was interesting was the obligations at the start. So I actually pre-organized how everyone's obligations would come in so for Gideon for example his obligation was Oath so if his obligation triggered anytime you're in combat he was going to have flashbacks um, to his time serving in the Empire and um, the specific uh, catalytic event of Viz getting taken um, if we rolled 21 to 40 it would have triggered Kera for um, addicted to thrill seeking which meant you I would have tried to initiate combat with you more often and I would have tried to goad your character a bit more and you would have had setbacks to try and resist fighting Bounty um, for Snazkar um, Halnu the Hut was actually going to be sending bounty hunters to you um, at the leaving Naboo you were going to get um, attacked by a bounty hunter vessel there um, and Shasta, if your one triggered when you were on back on Tatooine, you would have been made as a criminal through one of the outposts, and they would have attempted to arrest you. However, what happened was we actually uh, we rolled an eighty-three, which triggered the bounty on all party um, thing, which I just put in because I we often talk when when you use the obligation system, it's often like a party obligation as well. So that one specifically ties all the players together, and that bounty on everyone was going to be the main drive for. For the whole thing it was always going to exist but it wasn't going to come into play if it wasn't triggered so the way it came into play was fast fast the gungan and rachach the wookie at the start were going to try and cash in that bounty on you and that's sort of what started those initial chain of events really kicked us off with a bang yeah exactly <laughs> so i was very excited we got combat in very quickly and combat usually slows down a game in this mm. instance it didn't so so that was the first way it could have gone. Then you had the option to take to go to the party or go to the after party. The after party was a stealthy section where you had to walk through the sleeping, passed out people and sneak around the estate more than just like participate in the party and create distractions and that sort of thing. But then we wouldn't have got that killer dance off. You exactly, <laughs> you wouldn't have had a dance off. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is a shame because one of the best lines i wrote for this actually was the post-party scene i just want to read it because i'm very proud of it and it says you walk through a large opulent and frankly oh wait no that's the wrong section it's this bit um <laughs> it's this bit um as you enter the main entry hall the smell of only what can be described as the corpse of a party hits you aggressively and lingers in the air like i was just so happy Amazing. when i wrote that because it's just that, yeah. everyone knows that smell mm. like, we've all been to high oh, school yes. we yeah. all know how a bad party smells at the end yeah. exactly yeah. so that's what you would have walked into so, no. so that was Waking one option up way too early and it's just like 
Ooh. Why am I on the floor? Why yeah. is my jacket Why used is my as a pillow? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was this in the Whose pants are these? <laughs> exactly. Whose hand is that? Um, but yeah, so another part of the party is though you could have actually interrogated GG69420 and, and got some information out of him. <laughs> I laugh every time, but it was the only way I'd remember a droid name. Um, <laughs> you also could have like beaten up some guards and taken their armor to get around. There was also... You could have spoken to Galgo the Hutt himself, and because he was so wasted, he would have been very easy to manipulate because he was. We wrote him as a dumbass. Mm. He didn't even know that Veers was the wrong race when he accepted the the thing. Yeah, he good. didn't even pick yeah. it up. So he was actually written as a dumbass, but you guys just never interacted with him. So no, I'm glad you actually uh, you clarified that because I think when we were playing it, I was thinking, hang on, would he really not know? So, yeah, but no, I'm, so no, I'm glad to put into that in thought. My, in my, <laughs> So specifically in my notes, we had at the start, um, Galgo is a hot drug lord. He fancies himself a hap-hep music artist. <laughs> he has a massive bounty on Viz Coden because Viz Coden was a Padawan of the Jedi Order. And Galgo likes to collect rare things like Jedi. He has an orbital palace around Tatooine and he is a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> um, I kind of, I'm, I'm upset we didn't interact with him now. Like, <laughs> I mean, I was so ready and I, I have got a great Hattese voice like... Like, I was so ready, but uh, it's fine because I got to do Bill the human. So it's okay. Um, it's a nice trade off. Yeah, know? exactly. Um, but yeah, and then the last fight with Viz, I actually intended for there to be a chase scene as well, but um, Snascar just came out and did like 16 damage in one hit, bringing her down to one health immediately. And that's, that's the one thing about this system. That I've noticed is that you can sometimes, sometimes all it takes is one hit, and you can take the baddest, biggest person down to mm. nothing. Because you're meant, you're originally meant to do like half damage. She was meant to bail. You're meant to chase her, corner her, and then she'd pull out the lightsaber. Right. She felt like yeah. super threatened. But yeah, that that didn't end up happening. So it just happened there instead. Would you say what you've just said there about you know bringing down the baddest guy with one hit is that? Would you say that that's a like a strength or a weakness? Um, how would you feel? About, how do you feel? So about that? so sometimes it is a flaw because as we saw in that moment, um, if 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 there was a worse DM or a DM not as experienced, sometimes it's hard to make narrative sense of those moments. Yeah. Um, and, and that's one thing that, that this system does sort of accidentally do is is that if you get a lot of successes and you roll a lot of blanks on your difficulty dice you add every single additional success to damage yeah so if you have a lot of dice or even if you have a lot of yellow dice when you roll them the superiority dice some of them have two successes on them Mm. so you could just do a ridiculous amount of damage in a single hit and that does end up being late game stuff yeah but as we saw your character with only 100 experience and you did nearly a full amount of damage to a nemesis character from the, from the book that stats I didn't alter at all. Yeah, okay. So. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, um, I might sort of turn to our guests now. First off, um, Johnny, uh, Campbell and Jet, thank you so much for coming down. Jet especially. Um, you uh, Unfortunately, our original guest was unable to record today, but um, you were able to step in at the last minute. So thank you very much for coming down. Um, I'll, I'll start off asking you guys, what is your relationship with Star Wars? Like, were you fans growing up? Did you had you you know not not heard of it? Where where do we sit? I'm literally wearing three different kinds of Star Wars apparel right now. You know what? I actually didn't notice. So thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> <laughs> and I've also got a Star Wars tattoo. So so a, sm- a small fan? just a small just a, fan, just a small relationship. Yeah, it was it was like some of my earliest memories of of watching Star Wars. Like yeah. that's mm-hmm. like it, it was. 
it's just always been there. Yeah. It's a yeah, cornerstone of just Yeah, of of of, of, of the pop culture sort of zeitgeist and especially I guess for me it's just I don't know what my life would look like without it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. How about you, Campbell? Uh yeah, fairly similar. Yeah. Um I grew up uh watching the movies and then just devoured the extended universe books uh and was completely crushed when they tossed out <laughs> thirty years worth of uh <laughs> like history that I had learned and knew and memorized and grown attached to. Um, and they've they've done an okay job. Yeah, they like, brought some of it back. Hmm. It's really not cool. as not as bad, not as grim as it could have been. But yeah, so it's been a fairly fairly big thing. How about you, Johnny? Yeah, I'm a massive fan of Star Wars. I have been growing up. I was raised on the comics and the old uh, expanded universe. Uh, you know, Jedi's and Sith was always a big thing growing up for me. And bringing that into my adult life, you know, I love the games, love. The comic still movies and you know playing D and D as Star Wars and stuff is just awesome. Yeah, so look, I'm I'm in a similar boat to you guys. You know, I'm aware of it. I've watched it all. I um, you know, when I was a you know pimply twelve year old and the Phantom Menace came out, I thought it was the height of you know movie making history. That's that's dedication. But you know, I was young. I was a punk. (laughs) I mean, I always think I think when Darth Maul ignites the second half of his lightsaber, we were like. This is the best. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's still, still the best. five it's minutes. It's the best the five best. minutes in all of Star Wars. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> and I'm not afraid to. I had a Jar Jar Binks backpack when I was yeah, in primary school. Yeah, see, I didn't <laughs> mind Jar Jar Binks as a kid. I, like... I used to have the Jar Jar Binks uh, lollipop thing, the, yes. the tongue one. Yes, that that I wasn't weird that at thing. all. <laughs> I remember that thing. And yeah, I, also, I remember being so proud of my Jar Jar John Binks. John Williams. <laughs> He is the man. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Jewel Sides, still. Anyway, yeah, it's, oh, yeah, I could absolutely. fuck to that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, anyway, well, anyway that back, back to the spectacle. For any of our younger <laughs> listeners. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, so I'll, I'll jump into this next question. Um, so what do you think about this game specifically? How, how do you think this game represents the themes and stories of that universe? Um, so this, this game is like, this is just one of three games released by the, the makers. And it is, I think the third released Star Wars tabletop RPG. Yeah. Um, the stories of like the hero's journey have always been in there. And that theme runs in just about every single one of those tabletops. Yeah. Um, I think this one minimizes the amount of number crunching, which is just wonderful for engagement, engaging people immediately into whatever they're doing, mm. um, which you don't often get in a lot of tabletops. Um, and with a good DM, that, that hero's journey, that narrative storytelling yeah. just absolutely takes off in the system. Yeah, because I suppose Star Wars is all about the story. Like, it's always mm-hmm. been very story-centric, um, so being able, like you said, being able to jump straight into that and not worrying about all the maths and all that sort of stuff is is quite good. It's actually interesting you bring up the hero's journey. Just a little fact, when George Lucas was doing episode four, he actually was reading a book called The Hero's Journey, which was mm-hmm. this, this guy yep. um, who actually figured out what the hero's journey was. He went through mythology all around the world, mainly mainly Europe and, and some, some of the northern countries as well. But um, he actually 
comprised and figured out that formula of the hero's uh, journey. And 12, out. 12 steps, is it? Yeah, yeah. Something 12, like tw- that? 12, 8, there's some additional steps you can do, some breakdowns of steps, but yeah, something like that. So, Like, yeah, like, absolutely, it does replicate the hero's journey, which essentially is replicating what George Lucas replicated when he made the film. So, yeah, mm. yeah it's, it's so great. You look at the story, Luke's story, it's a hero's journey through and through. Yep. So easy. Now, Johnny, as our other experienced player, with Jet and myself not having played it before, is that correct, Jet? I played one... I played two sessions of the same thing, because it was like five years apart, but that was, again, five or so years ago since I played it, so it was basically my first session. Basically new. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, Johnny, how do you feel about that? What do you think... How do you think the game represents those themes? Well, I think it does a great job. Um, It mostly matters on the DM, though, if they don't provide a good universe and story then the game doesn't really match up no matter what but in terms of the roles and the checks you need to do i think they fit in very nicely uh with the star wars universe yeah absolutely okay now jet you um you basically a new player as you just said and i am a new player i've never played this system before um how do you feel about it like you, you're obviously in love with star wars as am i how do you feel about star wars fitting into this game I think one and, and one of the things that has drawn so many people into Star Wars is the law mm. and the opportunity to be make your own law, to have these characters and be like, yes, I have an idea for this smuggler and I know where they would fit in and I get to insert that and I get to use these bits and pieces of law that I've learned that you know are from are from you know the legacy stuff or, or whatever. And it's very s- simple to just insert that and just run with it. Mm. And not that other systems, you can't do that. Um, but for something that is so broad yeah. and has so much going on, it's very easy to just go, this little sliver, this is mine. We're going to run with some stuff and it's great. That probably comes back to what you were saying about um, you know, being part of the zeitgeist. Everyone knows Star Wars on some level, so it is almost a more accessible game purely because that everyone knows mm. it. So yeah, you can jump straight in with this, you know, Han Solo-esque character or yeah. this um, this Chewbacca-type character, something like that. So yeah, 100%. Something that I really love about it and that I think is really well represented is this whole idea of balance. Because, um, you know, all the, the movies are always talking about bringing balance to the force. And I think I said this in our initial episode, Jesse, is that this idea of we get destiny points and then we can use them, but then they also go to the game master who can then use them against mm. us. And it's, mm-hmm. again, yeah. it's that, that balance. That, it's that push um, and pull. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the light versus dark and all that sort of stuff. So I think that's really, really well represented in this game. So overall, Campbell and Johnny, I'll talk to, turn to you guys first. Overall, what do we think of the system? Um, I think it is an excellent system overall. There's there's fiddly bits, particularly when it comes to the Force. Um, and when I first came across it, like one of the weirdest twists was you could go to use Force Heal um, and accidentally end up causing more damage to the person you were trying to help, or counterintuitively again, yeah. um, go to like hurt an enemy you didn't want to deal with um, and accidentally heal them yeah. based on the roles that you got. Um, and that's largely been fixed, I think, in the the Force and Destiny. Yeah, I think we touched on this in the this. first episode we, when we explained the system. We, I, I spoke about how I, I thought that the Force system is particularly lacking, but they do go and they fix that in Force and Destiny. And they were very open about it. They knew they got it wrong, and that's why they released Force and Destiny as a beta first because they wanted yeah, to just feedback. Yeah, I got that book. It yeah, was right. it was 
a little unbalanced, but I mean, you get that with the beta. Yeah. Um, and the the re the the actual official release once they got to it took a lot of the feedback on board, yeah. which was wonderful. Yeah. Just something I want to clear up. The three are they like three editions, you know, or are they able to basically integrate between each other? You so can integrate you, yeah, them really they, easily. They they all use the same system and they all use the same mechanics. They all use the same dice. Um, they're just set for different focuses for your adventures. So one is Edge of the Empire. That's your smugglers. That's your CD underbelly. That's your crime. Um, you've got the Age of Rebellion, which is more the structured fighting, the the wars, the political drama and then you've got the force and destiny which is that uh exploring the force and the ancient ways and developing that side so it's a real nice little trilogy Mm. it's a shame they've discontinued it yeah it's finally just been halted and Mm. i know i think i didn't actually check but like it was within print like last year and and, Mm -hmm. and it just stopped like right so but having said that, the books are still out there. Oh, yeah. They're, they are everywhere, which is why we decided to cover it in the start. So Yeah. Because, um, yeah, well, as you said, yeah, because it just does seem so present. You walk into a game shop, you see Dungeons & Dragons, you see Pathfinder, which is another one we've spoken about, and you see, um, mm-hmm. you see Star Wars sitting yeah. there on the shelf. So, yeah. Um, Johnny, what about you, mate? What do you like about the system? And I suppose, is there any particular aspect of the game that feels most on theme for you in, in terms of that... Um, feeling in part of the universe um well whenever there's a space battle of some sort or just even mention of planets that you've known through the movies or whatever and you're exploring the world or the universe of star wars and getting to interact with characters um using certain roles and checks to progress through a story and get more just more of the lore out of it i think is what benefits me most yeah cool um, so as an experienced player, um, what do you think of the system? Now you mentioned to me, I think off, off mic that you really like the dice and all that sort of stuff. What, is that just the dice or do you like more things about this particular system? What, what is it? The dice are a huge, uh, factor yep. for this. I think they're so easy to understand that a beginner player can just wrap their head around it really quickly, really easily. Um, as I said, I've played a campaign before and that's been, uh, force, Heavy, really force heavy, which I find is a lot of fun and there's a lot more to it. Makes it a little bit more complex, but still not too hard to understand. Um, and yeah, just that sort of stuff is really entertaining, I think. Awesome. Um, now, as a new player, um, Jet, what did you like about the system? What did you think really worked for you? And I suppose it's sort of tying in with what, you know, themes mm. and stuff like that, but about the gameplay specifically, what do you think worked? Um, gameplay, I think it was touched on, you know, the lack of numbers. Yeah. yeah, That is yeah. a wonderful thing yeah, for, it's for new players. Not, yeah, that's the thing. And for new players. players. Like, even though I'm experienced playing D&D, so I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm familiar with the, the math, um, it was refreshing just to be going, right, I don't need to worry about math. I have, it works. It doesn't work. It was basically what it boils down to, and so that simplicity. But it, it also means I feel like it's much easier to just go right. It works. It works really well. Done. Like as opposed to having that numerical value and then having to decide how much above, below, you know, mm. and grading it. Mm-hmm. 
I, yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but combat. This might be just because I'm heavy D and D, like fifth ed, like it's basically all I've played. So that's all that my brain can works with. Mm. So combat was a little bit to get around, and and the like the soak and armor and defense, mm-hmm. defense and being engaged and the levels of your distance and all that. So there there, there is some nuance there that. I was sort of happy. I didn't really need to worry about as as a, a brawler sort of type, so that was good. But uh, I can understand how it it's would be intuitive eventually. Yeah, mm. um, I think I agree with you there. I think that um, the different numbers. So you've got like your range defense, your melee defense, your soak, your strain, your wound. All of that can can seem quite overwhelming at start at the first at, at the start. I think, and even sort of towards the end of our session, I was still like, "Hang on, which one am I?" taking it from you know and I, I think like you said you would get around that and get used to that um but initially it just can be a little bit confusing particularly because my only experience is with um fifth ed dnd as well um so yeah coming from that and into this mm-hmm. it does seem a little bit more complicated something that i think really works about this um about this system is these um ta- talent trees that you get yep. for each yep. each, each specialization the, uh, yeah each specialization it just and I said this in our initial episode, Jesse, it just sets it out really nicely and cleanly that you, anyone can just sort of go, oh, cool, all right, well, this is how many stalker traits I have, so this is what I can do. And it's just very visual, very easy to access. Um, so that's, yeah, that's something that I think really, really works about the system. And I've sort of, you know, jumped into our next question here, but I'll, I'll keep going because I think I'm on a roll. Um, something that I really liked about this system, and I didn't think I would, is the dice. Mm. Um, I, you know, I have a packet of dice at home and I've, I've had them for like five years or something when I first bought that beginner's guide or beginner pack or whatever. And every time I look at them, I go, I don't get how that works. It looks confusing. It's going to throw me off. What is this? Ah, but when you get into it, it's really, really quite simple. Like everything's laid out for you. All your Mm -hmm. skills. This is how many green you add. This is how many yellow you add. This is how many blue you add. It's, it's, and then you've got your game master who tells you the difficulty. And so you just add those. Um, so I think the dice is really clever. And as a couple of you guys have already touched on, it takes away the maths. You don't have to add up, um, you know, you don't have to do a roll and then add that to your willpower and, and come up with a value. You just have, you know, have you succeeded? Have you failed? Um, but also in that, there's so many opportunities for like weird things to happen. Like you can succeed, but but there's a problem. Like there's a a, a threat. A threat. That, yeah, there's a threat, which means it's you know something goes wrong, or you can fail with an advantage that like something else happens. What, what do mm-hmm. you guys think about that? It, it, it creates a more more opportunity for creativity. Creativity. I, I was like, yeah, almost something like cinematic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like really I think does that well. Yeah, it and which sort of ties into the Star Wars mm-hmm. sort of genre, I guess. In in that yeah, you fail you you fail but, you know, it it kind of works for you. Yeah. Or, you know, or or you know, triumph and and you know, something just everything just works your way and it just seems like the universe is on your side and it's this huge moment and uplifting and you're like yeah we we yes and it's this huge great moment and 
Yeah, I think every time you guys rolled a triumph tonight, you like gave me like you looked at your you looked at your screen and you looked at me. You gave me this sly look and you're like, "Yeah, that's a triumph." And I was like, I was like "You." Although, bastards. although interestingly enough, no one rolled the counterpoints to the triumph, yes. which is a despair, despair. Mm. and that is just catastrophic. Yeah. It is well named. Despairs are brutal, and yeah. that was. And, and I will take that one. That was honestly my fault. There was, when you were fighting Viz, she was meant to be adding superiority dice yeah. uh, against you. So so the, the red ones, um, they're not called superiority, they're called something else. I can't uh, remember. Yeah, whatever they are. Either way, she was meant to bad. be upgrading all of checks against her. So yeah. And I forgot to do that. <clears throat> um, However, it wouldn't have mattered because you took her out in two hits. So. <laughs> fun, fun little quirk with that, by the way, is that you know how you've got the success and the failure mm. and you just count the total number of each of those um, and whichever one comes out on top that's what you get same with advantage and threat it's actually not the case with their triumph and their despair Mm. so you can roll both triumph and despair and then when you get that you've really got to think hard about okay so something amazing has got to happen and also something absolutely devastating and figure out a way to combine those two back um, to that balance point it's just like yeah. That's why we're lucky to have such a strong GM. Oh, thanks, thanks. <laughs> I will uh, touch on the dice system in my um, things that I don't think it does well, but yeah. I, it's, yeah. ironically, it's, it's a also, double-edged sword. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. One. It's also the thing I think it does really well. Again, for the same reasons, things that Jet outlined mm-hmm. is that it you can succeed with advantage, you can succeed with succeed with threat, you can fail with advantage. Yeah, you can fail with a triumph do you know what I mean like you can do so much mm. even though you don't succeed in your initial action you have caused something else positive to happen so yeah. that's really interesting in that respect well seeing as you've mentioned it we might as well jump straight into that question what sure. don't you like about the system yeah, so, the dice <laughs> so it actually does quit quite hard when you get up to these moments I think we only had one instance where Cam- I think it was I think it was you Campbell you failed with a triumph mm. um, and the way triumph works triumph can do everything advantage can do and it can do its own and more and more so mm. you can spend it to do anything that an advantage can do or there's three additional things at least in combat you can do you can upgrade the difficulty of the target's next attack essentially turning one of their dice into a red dice against you so like it's on your side you can upgrade an active or allied character's check so you can give them a superiority dice instead of a green or you can upgrade it so if they have four yellow, they get a green also. Mm. Um, or you can do something vital to turn the tide of battle. So that's what you can do in combat. But essentially, the cool thing about this is that if you triumph on any skill, there is a unique thing for every skill check with a yep. triumph. Um, I touched on that before. However, same with despair. There's a unique thing for every despair on there as well. So it's a lot of information as a GM. As a GM, you have to do a lot of work with the Star Wars system. Yeah, yeah you, Because you need yeah, to know... Yeah what you need to have a rough idea of what triumph is for every single skill and there's like 18 skills you need to know what despair is for every single skill Mm. you need to know what to do if you fail with a triumph you need to know what to do if you fail with a despair and a triumph and you've Um, got to be really quick on your feet yes you do this asks a lot of your gm the players always love this system i find but gms really really struggle with it to get it right i've played it with a few people um, not you, Campbell. Um, Campbell has <laughs> Campbell's DM for me before, but it, it, I'm not uh, specifically talking about not, this. Yeah, not not this system though. That's, no, that's no, my no. partner, yes, and she no. does an amazing job. Else, with else, it. yeah, she does do an incredible job. No, there was there's times I've played this with people that just really they're not good at improvising and they really struggle with it. So mm. 
if you are going to do this system and you're going to run the game, you either, one, need to st know Star Wars very well and intimately, and you need to be able to just recall lore to cover yourself, mm -hmm. because as long as it's within the lore setting, you are essentially correct. So you need to know this, know the lore, or you need to be good at improvising. So that is, as a GM, that is my advice. If you're going to go into this game, read the book, yak to front. It gives yep. you all the information you need. It is, it's a lot to take in. Um, but if you are good at improvising, you probably don't need to read it as much. If you aren't that good at improvising, you need to do as much research on Star Wars as you can. And when you're setting it, what you're doing, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so that's I'd my like criticism just... of the of the system. For mm. sure. I'd like to just add to that as well. the The nature of the dice system is just really weird at the two scales that you can get it. So uh, in the game my partner ran and Jesse, you were in that game as well. We ended up becoming very very powerful. Very quickly. Uh, and we had, like, you, you can argue balancing in terms of how you distribute experience and all of the rest of that, but in the end, it's, it's as much where the players choose to focus. Um, and in these really ridiculously powerful characters, we had, uh, or I, I specifically, and this is reflective of all of them, I think, um, had a character that could wipe out a base on one roll, basically. Yeah, right. Um, and also couldn't drop out of hyperspace on one roll. Like, it was literally just a button. Yeah. And so you get this huge swing between these characters that are, like, of mythic proportions by that point, mm. where they're either super absurdly competent or super absurdly incompetent, yeah. and it, yeah. there's no real uh, balance for that because it's just the roll of the dice. And and that that you, could probably... Sorry to interrupt. That yeah. could probably take away from, like, some of the immersion yeah. almost yeah. I imagine yeah. Yeah. absolutely like, it, it like, was yeah. weird being able to do that and then go okay I drop out of hy hyperspace I've done this many times you missed the button you've now made the task harder for yourself for the next time because that's what the rule says yeah it's okay. like very very I rarely try again you <laughs> fail again this yeah. is getting ridiculous guys well, like, yeah, exactly. we like, the down time, here. like when you're when you're only rolling two green dice and you're up at uh, even if you're just rolling <laughs> two difficulty dice against two green mm. three of those dice could come up blank because there are blank sides on these yeah. dice which means one dice dictates whether you succeed or not mm -hmm. so it, it becomes at low levels it can be incredibly frustrating because there aren't they're eight-sided dice yeah so there's a one in eight chance of like possible failure or possible success mm. just because some dice came up blank yep. yeah so and every every dice has a blank side yeah every um. single dice so it, it's and it, and it's really i think the blank sides they work to a point but when you're rolling in very small pools when you're trying to achieve very simple task it becomes a little redundant so I liked the update to the setback dice. Yes, they, they did originally, update the setback dice. Originally, the setback dice had failure and success. They changed that to just threat. Yeah. Um, and you could... It didn't actually stop you from doing the thing. It just meant that ba got bad really stuff happened difficult, yeah. still. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, I suppose like the thing I don't like about um, the system is also the dice as well, but probably for a different reason. Because, um, I mean, you guys have obviously played it a lot more than I have. You've encountered a lot more of these situations, whereas this is my first time. Um, my issue with the dice is that, I mean, we, today, for anyone listening, today we were using an app um, to, mm -hmm. to roll them. It's very easy. You add the dice, all that sort of stuff. But for people who like physical dice, um, they're actually really hard to come by now, I think. And, yeah. and when you can, they're very expensive. Because and you need a lot of and them. And you need a lot of them. Like, there's there's no sort of set sets, you know? It's not like D&D &D 5e where you've got your, your seven dice or whatever and you roll mm. everything with those seven dice. Mm -hmm. You might need, you know, 
15 green die, you know? And so I think that that's a problem. Yeah. Um, not necessarily a deal breaker. Like I said, we used the app and it was fine. But for those who like physical dice, it, it, I think it's a problem. Um, what about you, Jet? What did you not think was super good? Um, I think it, it's difficult for me to sort of put it out there but only because I sort of came into this quite late and so I, I still haven't had a good chance to get my head around a bit of it. Yep. So I don't know how much of it is me not liking it versus me just not having a chance to have... For sure, yeah. ...delved in enough and, and, and familiarised myself. But, but then again, that itself can be a bit of a issue. Um, I guess just, just looking at... And it's not something that is a deal-breaker or anything like that, but it's just little things. That it, like I was saying, you know, with uh, the soak and, and all that, and, and, and it's just a few bits and pieces where it's like, oh, wait, no, that doesn't actually work give me there's there's a few things that i just feel like gum up the works yeah mm-hmm. and 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 just the nature of that then ends up like i think like like you said breaks immersions you know things like that and it's just not that you know other systems don't have those same issues but it it, it could just be me yeah, going from a hard, hardcore fifth ed to something else and just having that little bit of oh this is different and wrong but i can work around it but i i do think the pros heavily outweigh the cons oh for sure yeah so so yeah Yeah. so again it's it's just little tidbits like that and but but i I would need more time to really Mm. get a get a proper feel for it yeah but as i said as i said you know I, i was very happy that i wasn't doing anything more technical Sort of, uh, you, were just a pun- you were just a punch. I was just a punch. Yeah, yeah. If I had to do 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 anything like what Campbell was doing, like any of yeah, trying absolutely. to figure out, and and that would have been like, oh no, I'm having to use all different tools. I'm having to do all that. And it's like, no, I've got a sword. Oh, now I've got a shiny new axe. Great, that's which double. I completely fun. didn't realize Rockstar <laughs> had that. I just grabbed his stat block and I made the name, and I was like, oh, that's a vibro axe. And then I looked at it compared to the sword and I was like oh that's pretty three extra damage yeah they're <laughs> um, pretty vicious yeah the, the, yeah so. all right so we might just um wrap this up guys uh so last question i'll ask firstly um would you come back to the system and secondly would you recommend it for new people new players uh jed i'll start with you uh i would come back to the system i would technically come back to it now this is uh yeah like i said first time in quite a long time coming and, and I have wanted to play it again but it, it is one of those things that I think you need to find the right GM like I don't know if I would be able to GM something like this mm. um, so it's, it's finding the right GM with, and finding a GM in, in the first place in general is always a difficult task um, <laughs> but yeah would, would definitely come back to it and, and would, would recommend uh, new people absolutely like I think as long as they're willing to put in the work to sort of get it, then yeah, absolutely. And, and hopefully anybody who you'd be wanting to invite or is looking to do is willing to put in that work. Awesome. Um, Johnny, I'll ask you next. Would you come back to the system? Oh, 100%. I, yeah. This is my favourite system. So. But like I said before, this just really makes it simple. Yeah. Like the with the whole dice rolls, you don't need to go, oh, what's my willpower plus this, plus that, plus this. Yeah. It's just... This is what you roll. This is what you get. You, there's no complicated or convoluted adding or subtracting. I think it's a pretty good system all around. It. You know, I've never had to make a D and D campaign or game or system in general. 
but it's just like I've said, it's super easy. It's really great for maybe even beginners that might not necessarily be a fan of tabletops. Um, just because it's so easy to understand, the dice are a godsend, and yeah. it's really basic in terms of the range defense, melee defense, your armor, or your soak. Yeah, yeah. great. Campbell, you're also uh, an, an experienced player, so obviously you love the system or you mm-hmm. like it enough to come back to it. Would you come back to it again? Would you recommend it for new people? Unreservedly, yes, on both counts. Yeah. Um, I think it's a wonderful uh, gateway sort of entry-level... Uh, Drug. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, do it. Um, no, I, I think it's a, it's a fantastic way of sort of dipping your toe into the tabletop world. Yeah. Um, because it's it's a lot of the things that put new players off the mats, the um, restrictions, the uh, requirement that you learn about a whole new world and universe. Like, mm. none of that exists here. People already are aware of Star Wars. The dice system is very simple and straightforward. Um, and the only real limiting factor is whatever you really want to do. Like, you can talk to someone about you in a docking bay. Okay, you're in a spaceport. You can picture that. It's not difficult to just join in and run with it. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that probably comes from the zeitgeist, like what Jet was saying. Mm. We, we all know it. We all know mm. the aesthetic. Um, and yeah, like I myself, 100%, I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to revisit it at some point. Would recommend it for new players. Absolutely. Um, all right, well, that ties up season one, Yeah, Jessie. season one of Tabletop Unknown. Again, thank Woo-hoo! you guys, Jet, Campbell, John, so much for coming in. Um, it was a pleasure to DM you all, including you, Will. Um, and I'm so excited now. So next season, I'll just give us a little teaser here, is going to be a Pokemon system um, DM'd by <laughs> Will. So so that's what we've got coming up in the works next. That's exciting. Um, I, I if I don't ones. get to play a Pokemon, I will cry. Um, <laughs> because I can tell you right now, if I do get to play a Pokemon, I will only say that Pokemon's name for the entirety <laughs> of the arc. Um, and I've yeah. already practiced. So well, I, you know what? Um, you, I, I think I have uh, given you enough trouble during this season <laughs> yeah. to, for you to deserve that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. That's very exciting. Um, but yeah, so also thanks to you, Jesse, for running a really fun campaign. Thank that you, was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that immensely. And again, if you're listening, Mitch, thank you for writing this with me. Um, I'm very happy with the end results, so and hopefully you are too. Um, great job, gang. Thank you. Look, guys, just before we go, look if you could, um, let us know what you think. We uh, This is our first season. We would really appreciate the feedback. We want to know whether this is something you like, whether it's something you want more of. Um, and Please like yeah. us. Please, please like us. Yes, we're not above begging, and we will beg. Um, but no, look, Jesse, thank you for co-hosting this crazy adventure with me. Not a problem. I love... I'm so happy that you asked me. This has been a pleasure. All right. So, from us here at Tabletop Unknown, we will be back next season. See you then. Tabletop Unknown.